Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Just after five o'clock, welcome back. Monday edition of the Gregor Show. Of course, it's a playoff edition. The uh, Bills and the Steelers going at it. Later on tonight, you have the Eagles and the Bucks. Well, if you're an order fan, uh, no games for the orders, but uh, the Kings were victorious earlier. Uh, Vegas is currently taking on Nashville right now. The uh, Gregor Show is always presented by our title sponsor, PlayAlberta.ca, where uh, you can get in the game. Hey, have you ever tried the odds boosts? Uh, funny little wagers in games that, uh, you know, just unique things that you can't just uh, get straight up. They have those, uh, the casino. If you want to play lottery, they have it all. Check it out. Alberta's only regulated online gambling website, playalberta.ca. The uh, orders skated today. We'll have an optional skate tomorrow, which likely means uh, very few on the ice. It was a little bit longer of a practice today and uh, overheard some of the players talking that they like that. So, uh, you know, then it's a, it's an optional tomorrow and they'll get set to take on the uh, Maple Leafs. Maple Leafs will be playing their third game in uh, four days. They went back to back on Saturday and Sunday, lost both of them, gave up leads in both of them including a 3 nothing lead to Colorado after 20 minutes of play. So they'll come here a little bit ornery, I would think. Meanwhile, the order's rolling. Winners of 10 consecutive games for the first time in franchise history. Also only the fourth time in franchise history that they have uh, allowed two or fewer goals in eight consecutive games. The franchise record is 10, currently at eight. We'll see if they can push it to nine tomorrow. Let's get to the uh, spec report now brought to you by NextGen Transportation, a heavy haul transport provider and uh, very proud to be uh, sponsoring their own uh, Devo McEwen. Of course, uh, we had him in studio. He is uh, training right now for the Canadian bobsleigh team and uh, heading out on the World Cup tour right away. Should be fun. Good luck from NextGenTransportation.com as Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet joins us. Spec, how are you doing? How's the guy supposed to get any work done when there's an NFL playoff game in the middle of the afternoon? That's what I want to know. Well, it's tough, eh? It's tough for sure. <laughs> um, you know, the, uh, the, the Edmonton order spec, um, Glenn Goldson, you know, and I like when you change it up a little bit. Uh, not, nothing against head coach, but it's always good to hear from the assistant coach. And we're going to play some of, uh, uh, comments, uh, a little bit later on, uh, today in the show. Yeah, good idea. But, um, you know, I talked about the power play. There's ebbs and flows uh, during the season. He's been there for five years now, seeing it. But uh, you know, the he says, "Hey, what our biggest skill set? The new penalty kill format does make it a challenge, and so they're working on new things because of it. Because it kind of takes away what they love to do best, right? And uh, and that's that kind of that one timer down low to uh, to dry saddle. So that's being taken away uh, somewhat. Now the Orders do lead the NHL in power play goals by defenseman this year." With, of course, uh, Bouchard getting most of them. Darnell Nurse has one and Ekholm as well. But, you know, it's hard to critique anything, but like the, the orders have won 10 in a row spec and their power play by their standards is a little bit lower at 19%. Like that's a good problem. I don't see it as a bad problem. I see it as this team's now maturing where they don't have to rely on their power play to win games. Yeah. Zach Hyman said that to me after the Montreal game. He said, you know, we used to be pretty reliant. And he said it hadn't been going so good lately, and we're winning every night. So you're that. There's no question, right? There's no. We always wondered 
okay, what happens in the playoffs when you don't get any power plays or maybe you get one or two? What's going to happen then? And they're showing you now they can still operate. So that's a huge, huge, uh, uh, you know, a positive, positive movement, right? You cannot call this team power play reliant at this point because they're not. No, not at all. They're they, everything's good. Like, and it's not like their power play is awful. It's just not like the dominant force that uh, you know that they once were, right? And so you know that that's kind of how well, it goes. It's, it's funny. I'm sorry, Jay. I'm really noticing around the league. There's two things. Like, so they run out the best power play in the world last year. Yeah. Okay, it's great power play. So all the coaches who want to study a power play, and I'm sure this goes right down to junior. Whose power play do you think they're studying? They're studying mm. Edmonton's. So now you start this season. I'm seeing a hunt. I'm seeing power plays all over the league that are doing exactly what their Oilers were doing last year, and I'm seeing a bunch of PKs that are ready for exactly what the Oilers were doing last year. So, if ever there's a place in the game where you have to adapt, right? They they cannot run out the same power play two years in a row and expect it to be just as good in year two because everyone studies it all summer. And to me, Jay, it's just another uh, example of how coaches squeeze the life out of the game because they've so far the opposing coaches have squeezed a bit of the life out of the order's power play for sure uh sam gagne is clear and not healthy enough to go uh ryan mcleod will get back in and they put him back uh with uh with Janmark and and uh ryan like to me i thought this was inevitable spec uh you know people were oh they found their new uh left winner i'm like okay it's 10 games people let's pump the brakes not a knock on uh on ryan mcleod but uh you know what uh you know i thought that and the, the head coach even said this he's like hey ryan mcleod's gonna be back there and, and evander kane's really being slotted in a position they shouldn't be slotted in so uh you know kane and brown whenever they play together it doesn't work and you know you can say that maybe about anybody right now with connor brown but it doesn't it works even less um with evander kane so so they move forward but i don't really have i don't have an issue with evander kane overall is as he been in a little bit of funk yeah, he has got three goals since december 1st right it's not great by any stretch of imagination it's not horrific right uh he's still on pace for a 30 goal season because he had a good start so uh, you know what I, kane's a streaky score historically anyway and i could see when he gets one likely all of a sudden in you know in a five game span he'll have three goals and people will really be too worried about evander kane anymore yeah, you know, one of the oldest arguments in the game, Jason, and you've heard it many times from young players, is uh, it, it, the player says, play me more, and the coach says, I'm not going to play you more until you do more, and then you pl- I'll play you more, you know? It, it's the chicken and egg. I need to play more to play good, and the coach says, play good, and I'll play you more. So, And I, for young players, young players have to earn their spot and they have to earn the ice time and earn their place in the lineup. But when they become a Vander Kane and they're 30 years old and they've made a career out of scoring 25 goals a year, sometimes 30, uh, we all know what he does. He's an established, has he played 800 games? I don't know exactly, but a whole bunch. Yeah, He's an established goal scoring winger off the left side. He can score in tight. He scores from a distance. He's proven himself. We know what he is. Now it flips. You can't put Evander Kane on a line with Derek Ryan and Connor Brown and then say, well, like, get going, start producing. It doesn't work that way, right? He has, you know, I, I don't even care if he's earned it. If you want the most out of that player, you got to play him in your top six with the right type of people. You have to furnish him. He's not going to drive his own line. He's never driven his own line. That's not what he does. 
So if you put him on a line with a fourth-line center, like Ryan, who's an awesome player, but he's a fourth-line center, and Connor Brown, who's a black hole these days, you can't criticize Evander Kane because he's not producing goals. That's I've seen a lot of that on Twitter, and it's about as stupid as it gets, in my opinion. Yeah, um, it's... Uh... It is. A, it's in an odd statement, and I, there are some people that are just always looking for something terrible. Um, oh, Pat, he's he's a bad yeah, yeah. he's a bad sign, and I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. He's Evander Kane hasn't produced at all. Like, you know, he had a terrible year last yeah, year due, due to injuries. Yeah. All you gotta do is look at his production. Um, at as a five million dollar, he's a five million dollar player. He's on pace for twenty nine goals. If you suggest that that's a bad production, I don't think you're paying attention. You you can look at now, yes. like I've said, show the video where Evander Kane is the one always responsible for goals against. You can be on the ice for goals against and have nothing to do with the goal against, right? There needs to be more than just yeah. wanting to say, well, what the what is the uh, what's the uh, the goal share for? And and as funny as it all is, you went, you went. Even with him only having three goals since December first, he's only minus three since December first. So it's not like it's an absolute black hole. Right. That line went minus two in Detroit on two total fluke goals. You know, the one where the player skated through the crease or through above the crease yeah. and hit Pickard's glove and it went in. And that yeah. is, it, it was an easy catch for Pickard. Uh, goes in, they get a minus. And then the one where it hits Darnell Nurse in the skate and ends up sitting behind Pickard on the line and, and it gets poked in, I mean, by Uli Mata. You know, so yeah, there's your minus two that no forward had anything to do with, right? Just a bad night. That's all it was. Yeah. Uh, the Maple Leafs come to town, Spec. Uh, the orders have had trouble with them, really, uh, in the last five oh. years here. They, uh, they only won three of nine during the COVID year. Then they got swept the year after that. Then they split last season uh, and did win at home five to two. But uh, they've only won four of the last 13 meetings between these teams. And you've got the main core groups of both teams together. Right. Um, it's been McDavid, Dry Settle Nurse, Nugent Hopkins is here, and it's Marner and Matthews and Nylander and Riley over there. And so, uh, you know, Edmonton, they've won 10 in a row, but I would like this might be one where they say, hey, we got to be ready because for whatever reason, they've struggled against Toronto. Yeah, they have. And I think it's because they've, they've tended to play the same way. You know, to me, they, it's two fairly identical styles and fairly identical teams over the last few years. Great group of forwards, love to skate and score, good offensive teams, two defensive cores that were maybe not as good as, you know, they probably needed to be, and goaltending that I don't think either team's been able to really, really count on in the past, okay, in the past. I think that the Oilers, the way they're playing right now, uh, they're not one of those teams anymore. I mean, they just played a road trip where they won – 2-1, 3-2, and 2-1, yeah. you know. They're, they're not the team that Toronto's come in here and faced. And and frankly, I think that's, you know, a hard defending team with good goaltending probably has a better chance of beating Toronto than a team that thinks it's going to go out and beat them 6-5 because Toronto loves that hockey. So this will be maybe – I'll be interested to see what happens tomorrow if the Oilers continue to play their strong defensive game. If Skinner – Skinner's been so good. I mean, the puck is just sticking to him right now. There's no rebounds. Uh, I think that game is the game the least fear the most. Yeah, I think that could be fair uh, for sure. I, I'm guessing. Now, Samsonov actually I thought played well yesterday. I'm curious to see who they'll start in goal tomorrow for uh, for them. We know that Stuart Skinner is going to uh, to get the start uh, in goal for the Edmonton Orders. Um, Speck, the, uh, the more I watch the Orders, and you see their defensive game, as I mentioned, you know, eight straight with the, with two or fewer goals. Um I, I understand, like, 
in a perfect world, you could get a better uh, puck retriever and a better puck mover than Cody Cece in your top pair. I understand it. I think it's very hard to find. Yep. But I do think I could see two ma- – and if I count Dylan Holloway coming back, I could see three changes in their bottom six between now and the trade deadline. Okay, what do you got? Well, I think – well, Holloway's going to be one. I think they have to upgrade – um, their fourth line center spot. And, uh, I, I think they could, uh, they would look to upgrade, uh, uh, even the, the right wing spot. Like Connor Brown to me is not a secure spot on that lineup, right? Adam Ernie is going to get taken yeah. out by Dylan Holloway. And now maybe Holloway is the center anyway, but I think they'd like a, a right winger. I think there's, I think there's three moves there. I honestly do. Like Connor Brown, I say this spec, it's, it's the 15th of January. And uh, tomorrow's game 40. I know you said you're going to give him 40 games. Well, you've really given him 40 games. He's got no goals. It's coming up on game 40 tomorrow. So um, to me, he's got to do something before the deadline. Otherwise, I move him. Like the pain of next year is already done. It doesn't matter. you got to upgrade that position now. And if he does nothing between now and March 8th, I would, without hesitation, include him in a trade with the money going out to bring someone in. Uh, sure. Like what's going to happen is you're going to have to move somebody up, right? There's, or, or if you sign Corey Perry, you know, let's say he comes in at a minimum salary, but you got to move someone off your roster to make cap room for that player to come in. Right. So at some point, all players get judged on what they're doing today. You know, Connor Brown is fast approaching that Connor Brown's had a year, a half year of grace, well, they wait, wait for him to catch up and get through this ACL injury, the recovery from it, and become the player they hoped he would be. We are very fast and quickly approaching the moment where they say, well, I guess this is the player you're going to be, Connor Brown, and we don't think it's going to get any better. You, know, you do have, you know, most of two months here to, to sort of – he's still got some runway is my point, yeah. right? He's a third-line right winger. But I would say to you this, Jay, that – in terms of needs, I agree with you. I don't think that that there's no world for me in which a team that's trying to win the Stanley Cup has has Holloway as its third line center and Ryan as its fourth. Holloway has not played near enough center ice in the National Hockey League to be a centerman down this stretch run and in these playoffs for this team. Absolutely no chance in my eyes. Uh, I think there's, in order of importance, what this team needs is a third line center, a fourth line center. And let's talk about the uh, goaltending situation. If we think we need a backup, those guys are going to be pretty easy to find. Yeah. Well, let, let's be honest, Speck. Ryan McLeod's a third-line center on this team. I don't think it's Dylan Holloway. No, I think it's Ryan McLeod. No, he's not. Well, okay, he's, he is, but he's not good enough. He's not a good You don't think Ryan McLeod's good enough as a third-line center? I think he's good enough to be a third-line player. Absolutely. He's, what has he shown you this season that at the center ice position on that third line that tells you he can drive a line and be an effective player when the going gets harder down the stretch in the playoffs? What's well, he showing you? Well, I'll say this. I don't know any third-line center in the league who drives a line. I don't think that's, I don't think there's many, anybody who drives lines are in your top six. I don't think he can be a line driver in the, in the bottom six. Otherwise you're, you're, you're just not skilled enough. It's too hard. Um, I look at my, I thought McLeod and Fogel were fine last year in the postseason for the Orders. I thought they were actually quite good in that Vegas series, actually really good, and all the numbers back it up. They were quite good, and you, some would argue that the error Woodcroft made was not playing that line more 
against the uh, the stone line. Funny enough, but so I, I don't mind. I don't mind McLeod. I, I know that regular season he doesn't hit nearly as much as anyone would like, and I think that's understandable. I think that's totally fair criticism. But um, I think Ryan McLeod's got some. I, I don't mind Ryan McLeod at all, and I think if 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 you put a little bit more aggressive wingers with him. Then, uh, then I don't need him to be as physical. But uh, I like how he skates. He's decent in the draw. He's smart enough defensively. Um, you know, he got a little mojo going when he played up there in the top six so he can score. You know, if he chips in 13, 14 goals this year, that's fine. Um, and, you know, and like Dylan, if Dylan, like if Dylan Holloway ended up being your fourth line center, I wouldn't really have a major issue with that. Or if, or if he's on, cause if Dylan Holloway is even on your fourth line, like look at Vegas's fourth line. Carrier and those guys, like big, physical, could skate. Like Holloway's got some hands. Like all he needs to do is score three or four goals in a playoff, long playoff run, and that's great production. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like McLeod as a player. This isn't me saying he can't play. He's a, he's a good part of this team and a part of this team's future. He's a a young guy that's that they're counting on to continue to improve. I like the player. I like the player. I've liked the player this year a whole lot more on left wing than I liked him at center ice. He showed the ability to be a top six left winger, frankly, for a short stretch. Yeah. For a short stretch. Mm-hmm. I think if you told me you could find a real good professional third line center who's really good at the job, maybe a veteran guy that's been around a little bit, and now you put left, you put McLeod in the left wing and Fogel on the right. Uh, I like that third line a lot. And if I got Holloway on my fourth line, I got speed down there, maybe Ryan, you know, on right wing. And you tell me who the centerman is going to be down there. We'll have to figure that out. But uh, I like McLeod, but he hasn't shown me that on a real good team, he's, he's a third line center. I think I need to see more. Well, be a good debate. Spec. We will uh, see how it goes between now and the uh, rest of the year. We'll see. Hey, maybe you're right. Maybe the Edmonton Oilers view it and say, hey, maybe Ryan McLeod is a, a winger at this point. Uh, we'll see what happens. And you know what? Uh, maybe the, the next six weeks will uh, give us a clearer picture. I didn't mind McLeod last year at all. I thought he was ready to take a next step. And not every next yep. step is perfectly uh, aligned with the next 40 yes. games. So it's kind of how it works. We'll see. That's fair. It's no, no player ascends in a straight line, yeah. right? It comes up, it goes down, it comes up, it goes down. So we'll see. Yeah. Speck, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. All right, Jake. There you go. That's uh, Mark Spector from uh, Roger Sports. When we come back, uh, Kevin Woodley will join us. Lots of goalie talk out there. And the uh, the uh, Oilers trading a goalie. Is it necessary? Has it been calmed? How is Pickard compared to other backups? That and more on the Gregor Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. On a cold and busy winter morning, there's nothing quite like a McDonald's breakfast burrito. It's your McDonald's breakfast wrapped in a cozy tortilla blanket. What I wouldn't give to be wrapped in a cozy tortilla blanket right about now. A cozy tortilla blanket. Mmm, much better. Welcome back to the Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Remember, go in on all the excitement with uh, odds bets, same game parlays, and player props at PlayAlberta.ca. And uh, cons that game over yet? The, uh, the Bills and the Steelers? No, we are just coming up to the two-minute warning here. Ooh, just coming up. The Steelers minutes. burned their final timeout. All right. Well, it's uh, so basically it's all but over. Yes. What, uh, what you're telling me. Big uh, Bills Nation, you are moving on, baby. You're moving on. Uh, Josh Allen with uh, an electrifying uh, first half, man. Oh, my goodness. Uh, watch the highlights. It's uh, one of the best uh, touchdown runs you're going to see from a quarterback in quite some time. Whoo, mama was uh he was rolling rolling i tell you no interceptions either 
I think he went turnover free. Didn't fumble the ball, did he? I don't think so. So, hey, when uh, when you can do that, not bad. Not bad at all. So that means the uh, Bills will host the Chiefs. Ooh, um, yes. Yes, it will be. Ooh. That's what they wanted. They didn't want to go to KC. So now they'll get them. Uh, let's go around the NHL brought to you by McDonald's. Feeding and fostering communities is at the heart of McDonald's and uh, is what they do. Uh, did you know that all of the uh, greater Edmonton area McDonald's franchises are uh, locally independently owned and operated by people right in your community? That's McDonald's. Is uh, Kevin Woodley from In Goal Magazine and NHL.com joins us once again. Woodley, how you doing, my man? I'm good, Jason. Yourself? Hey, uh, I'm freezing, but I'm good. I'm good. So uh, you know what? It could always be. Uh, it could always be worse. For hey, sure. listen. At least like nobody in Alberta has embarrassed themselves on the roads the way we have here in Vancouver. Like it's, true. it's cold here. Like you know, we got into the minus ten, minus fourteen overnight type stuff. Which hey, I'm admittedly the softest left coaster you could ever have, so it's tough on me. But watching some of the slip and slide activity out on the road is just. Like it's 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 embarrassing, frankly, to call yourself a Canadian and you just can't even go out when it drops below zero. So good on you, Alberta. You haven't made yourself look foolish like we have out here in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. Now uh, Elvis Merzlikens um wanted to clarify his comments and he said, Hey, no, I requested a trade. Um saying that um he, uh, you know, there's some people he didn't want to say it's private that he's not happy with in the organization. So it's clearly uh, you know they're at the end uh, in Columbus. So. Uh, I don't think he's a fit for the orders because they have Stuart Skinner. So, but where do you think he's a worthwhile target? And do you see a fit for a team that should go after him? Well, no, it's interesting. Um, you're right. He's not a fit uh, for the Edmonton Oilers, not just because the finances wouldn't work with his $5.4 million cap hit, but because he's got three more years after this one. And you're right. Like Stuart Skinner just continues to grow, right? Like we've seen this over the past couple of years, like that curve is arcing upwards. And the last thing you want to do is put a ceiling on it. So it makes zero sense to me. Um, yeah. I think about teams like New Jersey that need a number one. And when I look at Elvis's numbers on the season, yeah, he grades out in the top twenties. When you look at since December 1st, and I know he hasn't played in a while, but in a smaller sample, like, like he's playing really good hockey. He's plus 2.4% behind one of the, you know, poorer defensive teams in the national hockey league. Like there's upside there. Um, I do think teams are wary because of some of the inconsistencies of the past. Also because of the, you know, the term, like, like that contract 5.4 for this year and three more, you know, with the volatility and goaltending, it's worrisome. That said, like this guy has talent, he has skill. And you've seen at times this year, actually for good chunks of the year, yeah. when, he, when he channels it in the right way, like he can be a number one goaltender. The other thing I think that scares people off, is that personality you just alluded to. Like the reality of today's NHL is we may want to see a little more sizzle with our stake from players, uh, especially us in the media, but they really don't want it from goaltenders, right? Like they want goaltenders seen, not heard for the most part. And so his outgoing personality, I think there are organizations that probably would avoid it just because of that. They don't want a goaltender to be so flamboyant. I know there's probably people listening like, oh, come on, nobody would not take him if he can stop pucks because of that. I can tell you there are definitely teams that would hesitate based mostly on that. Interesting. Okay. So 
I think I think it might be harder to deal them in season than it would be in the off season. Or do you think a team might in, in the next few weeks here, like Carolina, you mentioned, uh, they might just say, you know what, we're going to go for it anyway. Because you've talked about this a lot, Kevin. Like to bring in a goalie, it takes like if you're going to do it, you better do it like right now. Because if you wait right till the deadline, sometimes it takes you a month to six weeks for him to get comfortable in the in the uh, in the style of play that's in front of him and and really to trust his teammates to know where they're going to be. I'm with you on the off season for Elvis, just again, because of the contract and because teams can find more room at that time, do a little more diligence. And like you said, let him get a running start coming into the new season and, and get comfortable with the team, not have all that pressure of making a big move and have him adjust on the fly. And maybe it looks bad for a short period of time as he makes those adjustments. Um, you know, the, the other part of that though, is it's not just so much uh, about the adjustments. It's about, you know, being able to fit him as the cap goes up as well. So it, it's a really tough one. Uh, he's a goaltender that I, I, I think could help some teams. It's just, it's the contract, right? It goes back to the old Luongo line about my contract sucks. You know, when you're trying to get moved, as good as that deal was when you signed it, it becomes prohibitive, especially if teams have, you know, any questions about your, about your performance, your background, your history. Yeah. Um, what about Chris Dreger in Seattle? Is he an option? Like, he's got a terrible cap hit for a backup, but uh, do you think he's an option for teams? Well, you know, you meant, it's interesting that you mentioned Carolina, and I'm not tying them to Dreger. I'm not reporting anything. But when it comes to teams that might need help, I think they know better than us, and we don't, right? Like, is Freddie Anderson coming back? Um, how serious is the Kachetkov injury, right? We saw him get bowled over. We, I mean, I just got back on the ice this week, Jason, from a concussion that took me three months to recover from. And so how serious was he injured there? Only they have that answer. But if the answer to both is you know problematic we don't know might be out long term then yeah they probably do need to get some help and would they fit with it for a guy like Elvis Merzlikens probably not again because of where they are against the cap unless they can move somebody out the other way um, but a Chris Dreger because it's an expiring contract something the Canes have been fond of I wonder if they'd consider that I think there are a lot of teams that could do well by Chris Dreger yeah the the number isn't small on the contract but it expires at the end of the year. So if you can make it work, the thing is this is most likely going to be a waiver wire claim because I don't think Seattle will give away that depth. But when Philip Grubauer comes back, right, Yeah, they're going to need to make a move there. And so Dreger will be a guy that goes on the waiver wire. He's only played one game since he blew out his knee, but he looked really good doing it. I talked to him about where he's at with his game and how comfortable he is. You put him on a good defensive team as Carolina is back to being in the last six weeks – as the Edmonton Oilers are, not that they have room under the cap to add a Dreger. He has shown in the past behind a team like Florida that he can play in an elite level when properly in the proper environment. I think I would not judge him strictly on what happened at the beginning of his time in Seattle. I think there's a bigger picture there. And I think coming off the injury, there's still a lot of upside to Chris Dreger. Kevin Woodley from Ingold Magazine, NHL.com, joins us. Uh, Kevin, the Ottawa Senators have uh, changed their goalie coach again. Um, what do you make of this? And now, you know, it's new people who come in. So maybe I'm not, not totally shocked, but I know in Edmonton, they're like, they shut a fire in Schwartz a long time ago. And I know he argued said, Hey, you know what? Goalie coach is a little bit different than the head coach. He's not running the system. He's working mainly with your goalies. And if you got guys who have been in the organization that you felt are growing, getting a new goalie coach a lot of times can just be a step back. And I, and I think, um, the proof's in the pudding when you look at Stuart Skinner in that regard. So what do you make of the Ottawa change? Cause sometimes maybe a change is good. Is this a good change or is this another bad one that sets him back? 
No, no, I, 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 and I don't really like. This is a tough change, and I think it, it's kind of tough on Zach Burke, who's on the way out, and they pull Justin Peters up from the American Hockey League. Listen, I've heard nothing but great things about Justin Peters as a goalie coach. I, I got to know him a little bit as a goaltender. Uh, I think he's a guy who played the position, brings that knowledge, but also is a real student of the position, has continued to learn and evolve. To me, this is an example of what can happen when you let personalities and you know let's be honest politics and relationships get into the goaltending department and this is nothing against Zach Burke who I also heard really good things about as a goalie coach but he was brought in when Pierre Grew was let go in large part because the head coach wanted his guy and because Pierre Grew was there before him and had a really good relationship with the general manager at the time, Pierre Dorian. And so you don't have a separate department. You don't have a director to insulate you from this. I'd be honest with you. If I was the Ottawa senators, I would give serious thought to creating that position and creating that department. And I'd actually look at Pierre grew who's still in Ottawa and is working with their PWHL team right now as a guy who should run it. Because if you look at the mistakes they've made, and Zach Burke could be part of it, too. But if you look at the mistakes they've made when it comes to goaltending, a lot of them were going away from the recommendations on guys that they got under Pierre Grew when that was part of his job as the goalie coach. You look at Philip Gustafson. You know, I know the head coach, DJ, wanted or didn't like him as a goaltender, even where Grew was there, but he pushed on keeping him. Well, as soon as he was gone, they got rid of Gustafson. How's that working out for you? Uh, Justin Peters was hired by Pierre Grew. Like, I think... This becomes a problem when you don't have enough separation between goaltending and the rest of the team. Yes, it needs to coexist, but having that little bit of insulation so that it's not about like the coach having his guy, I think this matters. And I think there are a lot of teams that could follow the examples of, say, a Calgary Flames where they've got a department, some of the other places where they've established that hierarchy to avoid mistakes like this and avoid regret about decisions that get made by single individuals or small groups rather than a bigger group think about the position with some expertise applied to it. Kevin, uh, lastly, the Oilers and the backup situation. It's been a long-time discussion all season long. Yep. Um, I've argued this. You know what? Pickard's done well with what you want. Um, they got Campbell. Heck, they got Olivier Rodrigue if, if need him. I don't see a, an available backup that's a clear upgrade. Now you have better numbers than me, and I'm talking a guy that's going to get traded, right? Like I'm not sold that James Reimer is automatically a better upgrade right now than uh, Calvin Pickard. So I know it's small sample; it's not a ton of the game. But what do you make of Pickard? And uh, do you see a backup that would make sense for Edmonton? You know what? I, I'm going to be honest with you, Jason. I didn't approach this this exercise from you know when I pitched it to you from who would be an upgrade if I looked around the league because we kicked around those names, right? And maybe I can do that as a homework project. We've kind of kicked around a lot of the guys who might fit, might be that, and you know whether they'd be a fit and an upgrade. The reality is the Oilers, since the coaching change, especially after they got through that first road trip where you know the the sort of bleeding continued off the rush. Like they've become an elite defensive team. One of the, you know, we talked about the numbers last week, top three in the league, uh, high danger chances against off the rush overall five on five, high danger chances against top defensive team in the league. They're a team that a lot of goalies would like to play behind and could benefit playing behind. Chris Dreger would probably play well with the Edmonton Oilers the way they're playing right now. Um, I was looking more at, you know, amidst this argument of, you know, do they need an upgrade on Picard? Uh, how many guys, how many teams around the league that they're going to be in the playoffs against have backups that are actually better? And it's a pretty short list. Picard's giving them right now just slightly above expected. 
Now, remember, in a pretty goalie-friendly environment, right? So um, he's playing well, but he's not like he's out shooting the defensive play in front of him. But look around. Winnipeg with Brassois, yeah, he's played a little better uh, on the season. Colorado, they just got they got UC uh, at, they got brought the kid up from the AHL. I can never say his name. Finish. I apologize in advance. But they've already taken Prozvatov and sort of put him as the three. Yeah. So beyond Georgiev, who is an all-star by vote only, not by numbers so far this yeah. season, as much as I like his game, they don't have a backup who's better. Dallas. I'm a big Scott Wedgwood guy, and he's kind of kept them in there, and he's winning his, them games. But his numbers are actually worse right now than, than, than Picard. Is he a more experienced option if you need him and he's played number one minutes? Yes. Does he have better numbers than, than Calvin right now? No. DeSmith does in Vancouver. Vegas doesn't. Once Aiden Hill gets back, Logan Thompson's fallen off a cliff in the last little while. He's in negative numbers. Um Riddich has better numbers in LA, but do you trust him any more in a number one role than you would Calvin Pickard? Maybe more experience, but there's volatility there as well. Nashville, Lankinen, Soros, another team that might be fighting for that playoff spot. Both their adjusted numbers are below where Calvin Pickard is right now. Seattle, I'll give you. If Grubauer comes back and decords the backup or vice versa, more experience, more proof of, of concept, you know, even in the playoffs. Calgary, if they get in, Vladar, not producing any better numbers than Calvin Picard. So I was looking at this more or less, who would be a replacement? Yeah. Because when we look around the league and everybody says the Oilers need an upgrade, are the teams they're competing with, do they have any better options? And, you know, as I break down that list, you know, it's, it's a little better than 50-50. Some teams do, yeah, but there's a lot that consider themselves contenders that don't have a better option. And so your bigger question is, like, if you just need a backup – or do you think you might need a number, a guy to actually go in and play? Like, if you trust that Skinner's moved past what happened in the playoffs last year, this is a much easier answer than if you're looking for a 1B who you might need to go to in a pinch if we have a repeat of last season. Those are different questions. And when I look, look around the Western Conference, Jason, I don't see a ton of teams that are in much better shape in that second position. Hmm. Interesting. Good stuff, Kev. As always, man, we appreciate it. Uh, have a great week. We'll talk to you next Monday. My pleasure, Jason. Enjoy the week and talk to you soon. There you go. That's Kevin Woodley from Ingo Magazine, NHL.com. A quick break. We'll come back with uh, Glenn Galton on The Gregor Show with Connor Halley on Sports 1440, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 5.50. How are you, Jason Greger? Connor Halley. Sports 1440. Man, it's been uh, a busy Busy day. And hey, uh, thank you. Very good first day today for our GoFundMe for Robin Brownlee. Uh, really for the late Robin Brownlee. If you missed it, of course, Robin passed away unexpectedly last Thursday. Uh, we have a GoFundMe up that uh, just started today uh, to help out his uh, wife, uh, Annalyn, and their son, Sam. Um, lots of... Uh, Lots of struggles emotionally and everything we know when you, when you lose, uh, your husband and father, uh, unexpectedly like that. So, uh, we just want to help them out for a lot of other things, uh, moving forward, funeral costs and everything else. Try to 
relieve some of their uh, stress. So you can go to uh, sports1440.ca. It's right on the front page. You'll see it's very easy. And uh, thanks, everyone, who has donated so far. It's been uh, awesome. We're, uh, we're right around uh, one-third of the way of our goal, so 33% in one day, which is outstanding. So uh, we'll keep uh, hopefully keep that rolling uh, and through the week and then try to get there by the by the end of the week, which would be awesome. Sooner than uh, later would be great. So I know we, we've raised a lot of money sometimes, you know, just for, for people that we don't even know, for strangers, which is outstanding, and I love it and we'll always do it. But uh, this is for someone that you knew uh, or at least heard of and listened to, read uh, for many years, and so uh, you'll know directly who it's helping out. Uh, it's for it's, uh, you know, Sam's future a little bit, and them, and right for the the time being as well. So that'd be great. Now, uh, Glenn Galson uh, spoke today uh, for the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Is uh, Chris Knobloch uh, had some uh, meetings he had to attend to, and you know, Galson, of course, has ran the power play for a long time. So just asked him, you know, kind of the up and downs of a power play. It's a little bit down right now for their standards. Still not terrible at nineteen percent, and kind of what's he seeing. Yeah, you know, we've had dips before. Uh, I can remember right going back to when Hitch was here, we had some dips. And uh, uh, just at different times of the year, it never runs. You know, you never go one for, you know, one for three, one for four, one for three, one for four. It doesn't run that way. You'll go 0 for 10, and then you'll go 2 for 3, and then, you know, it, it runs that way. But what I look at as the bigger metric is just are, are we still generating, right? Are we generating? And so I know when you watch those metrics that we're still generating most chances in the league uh, on the power play, uh, you know, per Per, per minute of play. So um, it, are they going in at the same rate as they did last year? No, they're not. Last year what happened was we generated at the highest rate and we scored pretty much at the highest rate. So when those two things line up, you get a year like you have there, but they don't always line up. We've seen teams kind of change the penalty kill a little bit. I don't know if it was directly because of your team, but they're seeing more teams try it. How, how, how do you play that cat and mouse game? And, and is this new penalty kill, you know, like the 1-3 the, the up, how, how different is it? And do you see any challenges at all? Yeah, no, there are challenges to that, and you can see that, uh, and, and I know where you guys are nibbling here, because you can see that, uh, you go back to the Colorado series two years ago, they, they played that way against us in Colorado. If you go back to, to, to Vegas, actually, they, they came out starting to play that way against us. It's just a different way to kill. Really, it takes away your, your some of our players' natural looks that they like to get on the power play. Um, so we have had to adapt. The last couple summers, it's, it's something that we've... Uh, did a deep dive into uh, looking at how those goals are scored and uh, w- what else we can manipulate to to try to, to counter that kill because it does change the natural looks that a PP gets and those guys get used to those looks. So the whole league's adapting, not just us, but the whole league's adapting. But um, it, it is a little tougher for our type of power play, that type of kill. So we, we, we are kind of uh, messing with a few things to, to look at what else we can exploit. You know what? It's ongoing, and uh, I, I like what uh, he uh, he said in regards. Hey, you know what? There is some things they've taken away, and what the new defensive of the uh, the one because remember it's it's not so much a box anymore, right? Like for a lot of people, it was on the penalty kill. It's a box, not really a box anymore, right? Some have a diamond shape. Now they have the 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 three up, and you know they kind of bring the defenseman up higher, and what that's done is take away those lower flank shots, which what the orders really liked. So and they'll adapt, right? It just takes uh, some change, and uh, we saw them go on a real heater there. They were forty percent for a while, and so I think they'll get back to it. We'll have more on the orders and leaves tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Once again, go to sports1440.ca for the uh, Robin Brownlee GoFundMe. You can help out a lot there. We really appreciate. It. Let's get to the con man. Sports fourteen forty update brought to you by Booster Juice. Uh, 
Stop in uh, right now at any Booster Juice location. And, of course, uh, you can you can download the uh, new Booster uh, Rewards app for nutritious smoothies, drinks, and food that will help get you through the day at Booster Juice. Have a great night. Here's Connor Halley. Stay warm. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y dot And discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.